What's up, gang? Welcome to another episode of The Local Podcast. Today is Friday the 13th, and there's a full moon and a pandemic. If I were you, I'd stay home and listen to The Local Podcast all day long. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Jordan Hauser Digital. That's my video company here in Greensburg. If you're looking to make some cool web videos and social media videos to promote your business, get a hold of me on Facebook at Jordan Hauser Digital. Also, if you're looking for an affordable way to advertise to the local market right here, then uh, consider advertising on or sponsoring an episode of this very podcast. Um, it's very simple to do. All you need to do is reach out to me at thelocal724.com. Today in studio, we have Tommy Medley from The White Rabbit in Greensburg. Super exciting episode. He dropped some serious knowledge about coffee and talks to us about the journey of starting a business and opening one of the coolest coffee shops ever. So sit back and lounge around on all of that extra toilet paper that you bought, get comfy, and enjoy this episode. Let's do it. Welcome to the local 724 podcast in three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Local. Today in studio, we have Tommy Medley from The White Rabbit in Greensburg. How are you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, you are the most requested guest that I've ever had on this show. <laughs> how do you I, feel about that? I, no matter how many times you say it, man, that still just blows my mind. Like, really? I don't get it. Dude, it's a it's, coffee shop. It's awesome. But, I mean, people want to hear what you got to say. I yeah. mean, you. there were at least 20 people that were like, you have to get the owner of the White Rabbit in. You have to get him in. So well, You're going to have at least 20 disappointed people. <laughs> 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 no, nah, I think it'll be good. Um, so, I mean, like, let's just jump in, man. How did you? Uh, how did you get interested in coffee? Uh, I, I feel like nobody ever intends to go into coffee. Like, it's just kind of a thing that finds you. Um, I'd always worked coffee jobs uh, through college, after college, before grad school, through grad school, after grad school. Um, oh, and then. I graduated from Pitt in Pitt, Maine, 2009. I uh, got my master's in library and information science. Um, it just never really captured me like I thought it would. Like Every time I was sitting behind a ref desk, I just wanted to jump back in to you know, behind a machine and make, make coffee. So Yeah. Um, ended up leaving that field, got a job at a little... It was a little cafe in Dormont, just south of Pittsburgh. Um, ended up becoming cafe manager and realized, no, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And you know, nobody does everything perfectly. Um, so in the, the course of sort of complaining about all the stupid stuff our boss was doing, which all, <laughs> yeah. all employees, including mine right now, probably are doing at this exact moment, right, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, we sort of developed a de facto business plan and we said, yeah, we got something. Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, and so then Amber, who you will never see in public, will never do an interview. She's exceedingly insular and private. Um, she's really, really introverted and really... I don't want to say self-conscious, but she, right. she she does what she does and wants to do nothing outside of that. And yeah, what she does is absolutely remarkable. It's awesome. I mean, that's 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 so. a that's creative people. You yeah, know, you you get that with creative people, and um, so I assume she is the uh, the resident the 
baker, the, mm-hmm. the person who makes the pastries and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, she is the, the mastermind behind anything non-coffee related. Yeah. Um, and that's all her recipes, all her skill. Um, nah, it's wild. I mean, you guys yeah. have, like, so much to pick from, like, every single day. Like, when you go in there, there's so many things there, and there's different things every day. And it's so amazing to me to see, like, the variety and uh, the options available that you guys have. Yeah, it's kind of cool to have, to not have a set menu. Like, everything, every day changes, which annoys some people. Um, but to me, like, that's that's the big draw. It's like, what are you going to see when you walk in? Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a variety of influences from, a, I mean, we have, right now we have what they call Anzac biscuits. It's a World War I Australian New Zealand Army Corps recipe. Um, sitting next to like Belgian Stroop waffles. Yeah. Like, like she, she can pull influences from such a huge variety of, of international cuisines that, and make it accessible. Like that's the important part is yeah. like you can have all this fluffy stuff, but if nobody knows what it is, or if you don't have a staff that can explain what it is and right. make it like relatable to just normal people. Um, and I think she's, she's done a really, really good job with that. Yeah. So, like, educating your employees to, to be able to sell these things uh, is extremely just important. I mean, it it, is. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. Uh, we also have the benefit of, oh, you don't know what this is? It's a, it's a new product. Try one. Yeah. Um, that's, it's fun for them, too, to try a bunch of different stuff that, oh, Lord, I've heard of a third of the stuff that we make. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, I mean, how long have you guys been in business there? So, we opened in November 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, uh, we're coming seven up on years. seven. Whoa. That's awesome. I mean, it still feels like you guys are still just like the new kids on the block. You know, it still feels that way because, like, I mean, there's so much, like, I pass there all the time and I stop in and I grab coffee and stuff and it's just like, I still feel like. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys got to check this out. You got to check this out. And it's like, you know, I tell everybody, you know, you guys have to go to the White Rabbit. It's so awesome. And we, we continually try to make improvements and upgrades to, to keep us fresh and from becoming like a stagnant old business that nobody, that the owners just don't care about. Like, and we want to be dynamic. We want to we wanna be different. Um, and so we, we continually reinvest and. Maybe nobody's ever accused me of being a good businessman. I, I have <laughs> like my profit margin's nothing because every time we have a little bit of money, we're like, "Oh, let's get new tables. Yeah. Let's get a new floor." It's but hysterical. It, I mean, well, I, dude, I'm the same way with like video. I mean, like you know, I I make a little bit of little bit of money, and I'm like, "Dude, it's time to upgrade the lenses, or it's time <laughs> to upgrade the cameras, or something like that." And you know, I think that there's there's a middle ground somewhere that maybe you and I both need to find. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm still trying to find it. Um, but, I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong at all with, you know, investing money back into your business. I mean, that's amazing. You guys, I just came up there to meet you, um, you know, 20 minutes, a half an hour before the podcast. And the amount of people that were already in there and then the people that walked in and stood in line was insane normally when i'm in there i'm staring at my computer screen mm-hmm. and i'm drinking coffee and i'm not really paying attention but the amount of traffic that you guys have in and out of that place and then the people sitting outside because it's gorgeous outside it's wild i mean you guys are doing some serious business and that is so awesome to see 
Yeah, and it's something like I never. Hey, when we opened, we thought, okay, so let's find a. Because I'm not from here. I'm originally from Kentucky. Um, Amber's from Murraysville, so she sort of had some ties to here. But like we were looking Lexington, Kentucky, Nashville, Knoxville, Asheville. Um, like, Greensburg wasn't particularly on my radar initially. Um, but as we started to do more research, we're like, well, this is a cool little community. There's not. Uh, there is an underserved uh, market here that we could absolutely, um, you know, I don't want to say take advantage of, but we'll serve. But yeah, from a business perspective, sure, we yeah, we'll fill a need that that's here. But I never, never thought we would be doing the volume we did. I mean, Greensburg is tiny. It it's, is. It, it's not at all the volume I expected. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, is awesome. You'll never hear me. Well, I might complain a little about but you'll never actually hear me, like, genuinely complain about, like, we're exceedingly lucky. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I the, the volume every day surprises me, too. Um, it's wild. I mean, like, did you guys, so the building that you chose, did you guys end up, like, did you choose that building because it was kind of, like, right in the midst of like all the lawyers and the courthouse and all of that stuff. Was that like in your mind when you were, when you were looking? Yeah. So the, the first building we really had our eye on was it's up on Pennsylvania. Do you remember that Derby it used to be Derby's um, yeah, yeah. right next yeah. to our tech? It was before the roof collapsed and yeah. became condemned. Um, but we were looking at that cause it's also really cool inside. Yeah. It's real neat. Um, but then when the, the building that we have currently came, uh, came available, it's like, no, this is, it's between the parking lot that everyone uses yep. and the courthouse. Um, and it's within a block of everything. And it's enormous. Yeah. Like, you'll never see a coffee shop that big in Pittsburgh even. Like, right. To have that sort of square footage. We were, uh, we were very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, surprisingly. So, because it's like 2,500 square feet. That's it's big. That's huge. Um, but yeah, that was when we walked in the first time and saw it. We're, I mean, the ceiling from the ceiling to just the enormity of the space was. We knew, like, just stop looking elsewhere. This is where we're going. That's um, awesome. That's good. Uh, I mean, when you get that feeling, you know for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. Don't was, don't don't waste your time <laughs> looking anywhere else. Um, so I was telling you a little earlier. I I lived in Lancaster, PA, for a little while. And uh, when me and my mom came into your shop, that was the first time either of us had seen your shop. We both were just like fucking floored. <laughs> and we were just like, this is just like Lancaster. Like, and the thing is, is like there are these small coffee shops out in Lancaster, but then they have other ones that are kind of big. They have like a big space. There's, mm-hmm. you know, square one is kind of, you know, like a, a medium sized place. And then you've got the Prince Street Cafe, which oh. is like the big you know, coffee shop in Lancaster. And, and that place is enormous. It's also very big. It's like the size of the white rabbit. Ah. And it's really neat to see, you know, um, you know what you guys can do with that space. I mean, there's people in there like working and doing their thing. And that's kind of every coffee shop. I would imagine like everyone's, you know, in there. Oh yeah. Tapping away on the laptop. Yeah. Working, typing, doing their thing. But it's, it's real nice to be able to just, like, go in there and sit and chill and, like, have space and not feel like you're kind of impeding on, on some guy writing, you know, 
whatever the fuck he's making. <laughs> you know what I mean? The next important poet laureate. Right, yeah. <laughs> or making the coolest PowerPoint ever. <laughs> yeah, and we, we... I was also surprised at the demographical range. Like, we get... We get middle schoolers in there every day. Two thirty, three o'clock. It's just jam packed with no shit. No fucking seriously. <laughs> like, like, how are these eleven year olds affording coffee? But whatever, I'll take their parents' money. I yeah, guess. why not? But, um, so from you know ten or eleven up till, and we get a ninety year old in there like once a weekend. She's actually she's like ninety seven now. Really? Yeah, it's pretty rad. She comes in every Saturday, uh, same time. We have her shit ready for her. Dude, soon. that's awesome. Um, and, like, there's a whole breadth of people in between that. So there's, you know, your standard business people coming in, um, like, in and out. You yeah. get people working on their screenplay or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but then you get this weird sort of retiree sect that just hangs out. Like, they meet there. Some, uh, we have several groups that meet every day. Yeah. Um, and that's cool because you, you see this sort of cross-section of not just Greensburg, but just like the American life. It's like all these various people in one room hanging out, not bothering each other. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Um, it is. That's, it's, and it, it's pretty unique, I think. You know, like the coffee shop is really just um, exactly what you said. Like it's just kind of this cross-section of, you know, American culture, all like thrown into one room. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's wild. The last time I was there um, – I was sitting there working, and I had a lady sitting next to me who was talking to her friend. Apparently, the one lady was an artist, and she didn't enjoy one uh, particular person's uh, take on her art, and she was sitting there just letting this lady have it. And she was like, I totally understand what you mean. Like, her friend was, like, talking her down, saying, it's okay, you know, everyone likes your art, and blah, blah, blah. And... um you know, she just needed to like blow off some steam and meet her friend up and, and blow off some steam. And, you know, it was, it was cool. It was fine. I was just sitting there like, you know, kind of eavesdropping, typing, doing my thing. <laughs> and, you know, some of the things she said were a little funny and then like other things I could relate. I could just say like, well, yeah, I mean like not everybody's going to like your stuff, but you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, keep doing it. Yeah. We get one star reviews too. It's like, you yeah, we fuck up. Yeah. Everyone does. Everybody does. And you just, learn from it and move forward or just say, you know, you, your opinion is stupid. I'm just going to keep doing what I do because <laughs> yeah. I have confidence in my skill set. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. Like the, the coffee shop world in the past decade has changed. Well, maybe longer. I'm old. Um, <laughs> I say decade because I was in college 10 years ago, but right. now, now, so like 20 years ago, um, I wasn't cool enough to go to coffee shops. That's where kids were sitting around smoking cigarettes, talking about Nietzsche. Right, like, yeah. And now it's like it's for some reason opened up to everybody, and that's, I don't know, it's like a, a intellectual democratization, which uh, is cool, and it's good, and I think it's good culturally. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's a space where a lot of different people can now feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, we had... I don't know if you remember the old sheriff, uh, diehard Republican, sitting next to kids signing petitions for Bernie, and it's like, and they were coexisting. Yeah, and that's that's something you don't see in a lot of industries, especially behind a keyboard. Right. But, yeah. but when you see people in the same room together who are diametrically opposed, like you could not be more opposed. Than, right. Uh, 
It gives you a little bit of hope too. Well, um, sure. I mean, like I, I think that there's probably some, some part of each, each one of them that were, you know, just like, Hey, I have respect for, you know, you as a person mm-hmm. and, and because I can see you and I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you right? and I'm not typing at you so I can say whatever the fuck I want to you. <laughs> Uh, you know, when I'm behind a keyboard, but like when I'm sitting here actually speaking to you, looking at you, you know, there's a, a certain level of respect. Uh, I have a respect for the, for the place that I'm in, the establishment mm-hmm. that I'm in and the other people around that don't know anything about the two of us or what the fuck we believe. Right. To them, we're just normal people. Yeah. Just, just like existing. hanging out. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I, I do think that cafe culture has, it has a really long history um, of, I mean, it's always sort of had a, a left political lean, but that notwithstanding, sure. like, it's had an, a reputation of bringing people together face-to-face. Yep. And, you, know, you can correspond via letter, email, Instagram comments, whatever. But actually sitting down across from somebody, it changes. It's a game-changer. Um, I mean, it's sort of what you were saying. Like, there is instantaneously a, a level of respect just because I see that you two are human. And that's, I think, more pronounced within like the world of the cafe. Um, there, so the old legend is uh, once coffee hit sort of Western Europe, it came up through Vienna, through um, uh, the Ottoman Empire. But once the cafe culture hit within Western Europe, um, all of a sudden coffee shops were supplanting pubs as... Ooh, that was, that's all right. <laughs> that was a little poppy um we're supplanting pubs as the primary means of congregation uh and it sobered up europe and we got the enlightenment yeah so, and then there's some some historical evidence to actually suggest that that's largely what happened so there's a really cool thing historical aspect to what we're doing not that i would ever put myself on any big important historical timeline but sort of along the lines of the tradition of what we've been doing for 250 300 years like we still see that every day when you see this huge section of of population that would normally not have any contact with each other but then they're there in one room and it's peaceful it's cohabitative it's cooperative yeah um i mean that really is nice i was i was gonna say earlier when we were talking that um you know the coffee shop really kind of you know, lends itself to meeting people. Um, like, you know, if you're going to have like a, a quick meeting with, with somebody, mm-hmm. um, I've had multiple meetings in your coffee shop about this podcast, huh. uh, meeting people there just saying like, Hey, is this something that you'd want to do? Or, you know, they reach out to me and say like, Hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me a little bit about you and let's go meet up for coffee. Um, it's just like, you know, you don't have to meet, in a bar anymore because I mean, I think that people, when you meet up in a bar, it's almost like, you know what, I'm going to have a couple of drinks just to like kind of really get myself in a comfortable space and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff, which is fine. I mean, like, you know, I need a couple of drinks to sing some karaoke, but at the same time, <laughs> it's like, you know, if you want to have like a real conversation, like, you know, go to a coffee shop. It's, it's real nice just because like you're both sitting there you can just like feed off of one another and really just like, you know, see how the other person is feeling and just have a really good conversation. You don't need to slam five beers and be like, by the end of your conversation, you know, you might fuck it up. You might like drink so much that you say something stupid. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, it, it's possible. Oh, it's, <laughs> I've been there. I've done it. Uh, um, but yeah, there, there is, uh, there was this old concept of what they call the third place. Like you've got work, you've got home, but you need a neutral territory to meet or to hang out or to relax or to do work that's not your office or your house. And, and for a really, really long time, it was bars. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was probably mid-90s that Pacific Northwest really caught on to the coffee shop scene. And t- talk shit on Starbucks all you want, but I wouldn't exist without them. Like, right, yeah. They, they were the ones that sort of took this high, stuffy society, you know, espresso culture out of uh, Italy and mm-hmm. made it American. Like, what we do is very much an American product. Um, and I mean that in the, the best possible way. Right. Like, um, so you have, so from the 90s onward, you start to see this, like, spread of, of cafe culture. And you're right. Like, it's, it's easy for people to sit and BS for five minutes, ten minutes, um, and actually be productive. Yeah. Uh, and it's enjoyable. Whereas you spend too much time in a bar, it becomes unenjoyable really Oh, quickly. yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable <laughs> right up front, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, shit, I've been here for five hours. Yeah, that's <laughs> the old adage, nothing good happens after midnight. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that took me a long time to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 36. I'm just now starting I'm 36 to as well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just I think it's, it's it's real neat, you know, the, the, the whole third place thing. That's very interesting because, I mean – you know, I'm the same way. I'm just kind of, I love working. I love, you know, focusing in on my stuff. Um, you know, I love being at home and just chilling out on the couch, but like I, not necessarily like, do I want to go out and like get like wasted all the time, but I do love to be social. I have Mm -hmm. to like have that. It's like a basic human need. Like I have to see other people. Mm -hmm. I got to be like, yo, what's up? Throw some (laughs) high fives out there and just like, you know, let everybody know that I'm still alive. And, um, I think that's just like, it's, it's very important to have those spaces where people can hang out and they, you know, again, they don't always have to be like, you know, bars, restaurants and things like that. I mean, I've had friends that like wanted to talk about, you know, uh, maybe some important things and, uh, you know, maybe the bar wasn't the best place to do that. Right. And so it's just like, Hey, let's go meet for coffee Mm -hmm. because when you turn 21, this weird thing happens where you forget what you've always done before you turn 21. <laughs> it's like this weird thing like, well, what the fuck did I do without the bar? Where, where did we hang out without beer? And it's like, well, we used to do a whole lot of fucking stuff. But, you know, now that's all we do. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. It is. You kind of just blew my mind. What did I do <laughs> before I was 21? I mean, like, it was weird because we would go to the mall. We would go to the mall with our friends, or we would go to a skate park, or we would go, you know, bowling or something like that. And now it's just the only... My wife made me realize this. She was like, why do we always have to go somewhere where we're just, like, drinking all the time? She's like, why don't we just go, like... You know, we can go hiking or whatever. We can go do this. And I'm just like, yeah, we could do that. And we could invite our friends, too. Holy shit. <laughs> but like, the thought just never, never yeah. pops into your head. Yeah, wow. it, it never actually, like, I never think about that stuff. And I think the coffee shop is actually one of the, almost like a nice segue into that into that lifestyle of chilling the fuck out a little bit. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, this is neutral ground. We could all just go have some coffee and, uh, you know. 
start our, our, our down that path. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing. I mean, you know, but whatever. I digress. Um, so as far as like the shop goes and stuff, like have you, you know, being kind of like an expert in the coffee field, do you, have you gone on trips? Have you gone to places to like kind of see how coffee's produced, where it comes from, the raw cocoa plant, all that stuff? Have you, have you like been out and about? I have been to several roasters, um, both in the area as well as sort mm-hmm. of more broadly geographically spread, but I've never actually been to like a coffee farm. Yeah. Uh, that is absolutely on my very, very soon to-do list. Yeah. Um, problem is traveling to Costa Rica is fucking expensive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be now. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Right now. But might uh, you time. might come back with <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I 100% within the next two years will be going to hang out with some farmers. That's, yeah. There's no doubt that like I'm actually now sort of in a position financially that I can step away from the shop. Yeah. For a week or so, and mm-hmm. it would probably be okay. Or if not, we close for a week and people deal. I don't care. Um, yeah. Um, that said, I have met some coffee farmers as they've like come to visit various roasters. Um, and the, the stories they have about what's happened within the coffee world in the past. This one, I, when I say decade, I actually mean. Yeah. Um, so what's happened in coffee in the past decade is pretty remarkable. Um, so coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world uh, under oil. Um, and prior to, say, 2005, farmers were getting commodity prices of something like 30 cents a pound. Um, that's stupid. Yeah. Uh, so now the coffee that I primarily buy, I know they're getting at least four or five times that. Um, which, okay, you think, oh, it's $1.50 a pound. That means nothing. Well, when you take into account where they are, that's a huge, huge increase in their standard of living. For sure. Um, and so when I buy coffee, I primarily base it off quality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't really give a shit if it's certified organic fair trade because all of that stuff sort of follows suit. If you buy really, really well-produced stuff, it's going to be organic. The right. farmer's going to be paid five times market value for it. Um, and it's going to be shade-grown, sustainable, all the stuff that I actually care about, but it all pivots on, is it good? Yeah. You can't have sh- good coffee with shitty growing practices or vice versa. Right. Um, so it's pretty cool to see sort of the social revolution that's happening in, or the, the economic revolution, I should say, that's happening in a lot of countries because coffee only grows at a certain elevation between the two tropics. Those are all pretty poor countries overall. Like they're not as well developed. They're they've been shit on by us from in the West for a really long time. Yeah. And, um, so it's cool to see now that we're actually able to do business pr- with them using practices that actually empower them to better themselves. Like we're building schools there, primarily with coffee sales. Yeah. Um, which. Is also a digression, I guess. But no, I've not been to a farm yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's really neat to see. I mean, I've watched the shows kind of like uh, 
you know, something like Anthony Bourdain or, mm. uh, you know, something like that. And um, just to see, you know, the conditions of, you know, different countries and things like that. Like, I mean, dude, you're 100% right. Uh, you know, 30 cents a pound and a buck 60 or a buck 50 a pound. I mean, that's like if they can figure out how to live off of, say, 30 cents a pound times whatever the fuck they make in a day, uh, they can certainly live a better life right. if they're doing that same volume at, you know, a buck 50 a pound. Yeah. You know, that's in, it's increasing their standard of living and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, people like you who really do give a shit about the quality and things like that are, you know, you're really helping them live a, a better life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for, you know, us in a, in a community that, that buys coffee like crazy, I mean, we taste great coffee. I mean, I'm sitting here drinking your coffee right now and I, I feel like this is, it's so good. It's so, so good. And, you know, I've tried making my own at home with, you know, my ninja coffee pot and stuff like that. And I constantly, I take like three sips, I dump it. I tell my wife, this tastes like shit. We're getting, you know, either a Chemex or we're doing something like this, French press, something to make it taste better. And it just never tastes better because we're buying shitty coffee. And that's, that's just the way it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and you can you can have the absolute best water parameters, best brewing equipment, but if you have shitty coffee, yeah, you cannot make it good, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about like those growing conditions? That was like real fucking interesting. What about the growing conditions in in these countries mm-hmm. is like so uh, dynamic? I guess. So coffee is so. Oh how 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 deep do you want to go down this, dude? Go for it. All right. I'm all about it. Okay, so there's two primarily spe- primary species of coffee. There's Arabica and there's Robusto. Robusto's shit. We won't even talk about it. It's your Maxwell House. That's your Duncan. It's just, it grows really low, has a, like, low elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as picky, but it's not as good. Yeah. Uh, so Arabica only grows on a really high elevation, but that elevation has to be between, like, 68 and 72 year-round. So the only place that has that sort of microclimate are mountainous areas in the subtropics. So between Capricorn and Cancer, which is really only like 30-something countries. Like it doesn't, it's not produced in a lot of of places. Um, So within that, um, there are a lot of other aspects that, that come into play. There's, you know, weather conditions, obviously, um, like overall climate, um, Micro weather, so what a particular season is like, uh, soil quality, and then how it's uh, what it's grown with is also a big. Uh, it's a it that's a big deal. So coffee, like anything, think wine. Wine picks up the those inherent properties of the soil. That's also then informed by what else is grown around it. So. Good coffee also has to be in a biodiverse area. So you need shade trees, you need banana trees, you need all these other things to bring birds for pollination. Wind pollination is also a, a big deal. So you don't want it to, you need wind breaks with taller trees. So it really is this, like if you ever see pictures of a coffee farm, mm-hmm. they're super cool. You've got this, like it looks like a jungle, yeah. but it's somehow planted in such a way that the farmers 
know what the fuck they're doing. Right, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how their system actually works, but like it to me just looks like an overgrown jungle. Mm-hmm. But then they go in and come out with baskets of, of coffee cherries, which is pretty rad that they can do that. Um, There's a method to the madness. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> and the, and the, those are smarter people than me. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it takes an idiot to brew good coffee, but a real genius to grow it. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a lot of sort of tiny aspects that go into it. But then after that, it's how is the coffee processed? So you have, imagine a cherry. Um, the bean is the seed of the cherry. So somehow you have to get all that fruit off. And there are a dozen some odd ways to do that. And each one of those gives a different characteristic to the coffee. Um, problem being, each one of those is also an added cost to the farmer. Um, so what we're seeing is this huge diversity in processing methods in the past. Then this is like three or four years, really. Um, they're like, they have these big anaerobic tanks that they pump out all the air, add CO2, add a particular strain of yeast, let it ferment, pump it out. It's like crazy what's going on there. And that's all driven by consumer demand for better coffee in the West. Um, that's wild shit. Yeah. All that's taking place like in the middle of these these yeah. jungles. Yeah, it's holy it's shit, crazy. That's like stuff you see on Narcos. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like pro- uh, coffee processing plants actually do kind of look a, a bit like right. Yeah, that's what they look like. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, without all the armed guards <laughs> <laughs> and the rebels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's. We're we're seeing a pretty big revolution within, and it, it's it's coffee. Like it's it's something we've drank for three hundred years easily, and all of a sudden, now we've thrown in a little bit of cash to these guys who are actually growing it. Um, I say guys, but actually, a, a a huge growing number of farms are women run. Yeah, um, which you know, if you're in Yergeshev, Ethiopia. And all of a sudden, you've got this women's cooperative. Like that's that's pretty revolutionary. Yeah. Um, and that's that's also largely driven by what we're doing. You know, I'm making and selling hope, ostensibly good coffee, and you're drinking it. Yeah. Like that's what fuels, uh, sort of this cool revolution that's happening. And I think I think it was Christopher Hitchens that said, if you want to combat poverty, the single biggest thing you can do is elevate the status of women in developing countries. Um, mm. And in large part, I think, in a, I mean, it's a specific region, or a specific set of regions in, right. in the world. Coffee's doing that. Um, that's really interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's like a, to sit and think about, you know, that exact, that sentence is like to hear it is just kind of like, huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's that's one way to do it. That's what this guy thinks. But yeah. like to sit and like really kind of think and get the the education from you about like how these are how these are grown and and what's happening there on the on these coffee farms and stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is definitely, you know, again going back to raising their standard of living and things like that. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it's a political issue. Like I say, empower women. And mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean. I'm not trying to make a big political statement. Right, it's, yeah. a, it's a simple economic fact that if you raise the standard of living for a historically subjugated set, you raise it for everybody. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and really the, the best way to do that is through letting the people there 
do what they do, be it, you know, make crafts, make, be it agriculture, and not try to use imperialism to sort of impose what we think they should be doing. Like, just let them do what they do and encourage them to do it. And then we get, we also benefit, right? Like, we we get a superior product. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, you know, hopefully don't have to scrape by every day. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, man. I mean, like, just the the idea of, you know, what what these people go through and do, like, how their processes are, and then, like, you know, what the final product is, and, and here we are just sitting, like, you know, in a room talking, sipping this coffee that, you know, how long ago, who knows, oh, yeah. was, a, you know, a, a coffee cherry on a, on a fucking plant in Costa Rica. Yeah. It, it's, it's the craziest thing in the world to think about. You know, and um, I wanted to get into something super funny. It was just that I love coffee, but caffeine makes me crazy. Like, I have, like, anxiety issues. Oh, no. So caffeine, like, kind of makes me want to jump off a building. So I drink decaf coffee mm. because I love the taste of coffee, and I like a nice warm beverage in the morning. That's, right. like, my favorite fucking thing. And uh, whether or not there's caffeine in that, it, like, gets me awake. I feel like, you know up and ready to go do stuff. And um, it was funny because I went to, uh, I stopped at Sheets to get gas one day. And I'm sitting there like, go over to the, the decaf thing. And I'm like sitting there and this lady, and I thought I knew this lady because it was just such a brazen comment. She's like, what's the point? And I was like, <laughs> and this is behind me. And I started laughing because I just assumed that I knew this person. I turn around, no fucking idea who this lady is. <laughs> and I'm like, the point in decaf and she's like yeah and i said well caffeine makes me want to jump out a window and she goes but like why even drink coffee then and i'm like because i like the taste of it i was like are we done here and like it was like what the fuck is wrong with you and it's just it's so funny but like i really do like i think that you know people who are like i've never tried coffee in my life that like blows my mind. I'm like, wait, how old are you? Like yeah. in your forties and you've never tasted coffee like ever. It's so, it's nuts to me because like, I mean, same deal. I mean, I, I, I can't do the caffeine, but I love coffee. I love the taste of it. I think a lot of people are sadly informed by the shit that our parents and our grandparents drank instant coffee there's you just can't make it good um and so they expect it to be bitter and burnt and gross and so i've had a handful more than that maybe a number of people who've never really had coffee or they had it once and hated it and because i'm a bully i get them to try it right Uh, (laughs) and they love it so I think when you grow up drinking garbage or seeing all the shit you have to put in a coffee to make it palatable, um, if you're drinking supermarket brand, it's not a huge surprise to me that people have this aversion to it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you, you load it with eight tablespoons of sugar. Of course <laughs> it's going to taste good. It's going to kill you, but... Right, yeah. <laughs> And I can't do that. Like, I cannot do it. I used to, and uh, a guy that I used to work with was just like, dude, try it black. Like, just give it a shot for, like, a couple days. Mm. And I never went back. I was just like, uh, I can't have even the, the slightest bit of, like, cream sugar, anything in a coffee. 
Um, if I'm doing some kind of like whatever fancy oh yeah latte or something like that, then hell yeah, bring it on. Like I'll, I'll give it a shot, try it. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts to think that. Like I was watching a cooking show the other day, and this lady was like, "I'm going to make this, uh, you know, this cake, and it's going to have a coffee flavor and blah blah blah." And then like halfway through her cooking it, they did like an interview with her, and she was like. P.S. I've never tasted coffee in my life. And I was like, why in the fuck are you doing this? Because you're going to overdo it or underdo it. There's no way that you're going to shoot straight (laughs) at the middle and this thing's going to be fucking great. And what what business do you have running a cooking show if you've never had coffee? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. That's a little offensive to me, I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) It should be. Oh, oh, here's a fucking mind blower for you. So talking about... Just to harken back to like growing, uh, growing conditions, one coffee tree produces one pound of coffee per year. That's, That's it. it. And they're every Arabica chair. So every high-end coffee, yeah. hand-picked. There's no machinery. That's bonkers, yeah. dude. <laughs> like That's like real bananas. So, I'm, dude, people need to know that just because they're like, well, these bags of Dunkin' Donuts are getting expensive. They're fucking eight dollars. Well, that, that's guess an what? Entire dude? tree. <laughs> right. It took, yeah. it took one year for one tree to make that one bag. Holy shit! Yeah. Well, no wonder coffee's fucking expensive. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you treat it like a you know, supermarket commodity. Of right, course. Yeah. Of course, you expect it to be cheap. But if you look at the actual human costs that mm-hmm. go into it, ten bucks, fifteen bucks a pound—that's nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean. That's pretty wild. I know, you know, in Lancaster, I uh, the one coffee shop up there called Square One. Mm-hmm. They, when I was leaving, they actually got a roaster in the back, and it was really neat to see, like, you know, them do their thing. Uh, they would come in and like dump the beans in there, and then it would go through this big table, like great looking thing, <laughs> and like it would do its thing. I, I, I'm, I'm describing this fucking horribly, but. Um, Go go look on YouTube or something for a fucking coffee roaster. It's awesome. It's a very neat thing to watch. And uh, dude, the smell that was coming out of that building, oh, oh dude, yeah, it was awesome. You'd walk past that place and just be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm ready to take on the day." <laughs> it was cool as hell. Damn, I mean, I've been doing this in some capacity or another for like 20 years. Yeah, and I still don't get tired of the smell. Like I go home stinking like coffee, and I love it, dude. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> it's not a bad life. There's definitely other jobs that would produce other more terrible smells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say like every other job. Right, yeah. Work. I was going to say work in a kitchen for, you know, two days. Yeah. Your whole life smells like grease. That is not a pleasant life. Yeah. <laughs> I do not miss those days. Yeah. So, like, you guys being a business right here in Greensburg and, you know, seeing – and that's the thing. That's the – the cool thing about this is, I mean, you guys are seven years old now. You're not exactly the startup business that is happening around here now. And you're not quite the OG, like, fucking stereo shop that's been here since the 60s. But right. you're, like, in a nice place right now where you're you're good. Financially, you guys are, like, doing, ad, doing good, kicking ass. Your traffic is killer. I just fucking watched it. <laughs> and... You're kind of like sitting back and you're seeing this this resurgence of people too, like other businesses and, and life into this area. How does that make you guys feel? Oh, I, 
A lot of businesses would be afraid of increased competition. I cannot wait for every storefront in town to be filled. I, I don't care if it's other coffee shops. I don't care if it's other bakeries. More stuff is better. Yeah. Um, and the the direction that Greensburg is going, I mean, there have been hints to it for a really long time, and that was one of the driving mm-hmm. reasons we came in. It was like, there's this this area is perfect for redevelopment. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, we were lucky enough to hopefully be right. Um, yeah. But it, it there's so much happening in town that we could not be more excited. Because um, yeah, it... We live here too. Like we are, we're not just exploiting the resources of the community and taking right. all the money. Like we live here, we spend our money here. We want good food. We want to be able to walk up and down Main Street, Pennsylvania, and spend the afternoon shopping. Like, oh yeah, it's awesome. And I, you know, from both from a, a business as well as you know personal level, I couldn't be fucking happier. Oh like, yeah, this is this is exactly what we hoped would happen. Um, maybe even more. Uh, maybe even into a greater magnitude than we anticipated. Because there's talking to to some people that come in. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, that's, that isn't public yet. That's like brewing. That I think Greensburg is is just getting ready to pop. Yeah, it's it's so awesome to see. You know, like every you know month or every couple of weeks, you see you know there's a new business popping up. Or mm-hmm. hey, so and so bought this building and she's gonna redevelop it and do this. And as I say, so-and-so I'm just talking yeah, about Suzanne. Yeah, we all Ward. know you're talking about Suzanne. Ward, um, who is yeah. just single-handedly changing the face of this town. I don't it's, know how she's doing. It's it. fucking awesome. I love it. When she was on this podcast, like we sat there and like, you know, I wanted to get a little deep with her and just kind of say like, Hey, you know, there are some people around here that are just kind of like, Oh, you know what the hell? She buying up the whole fucking town or blah blah blah. And it's like, who fucking cares? Yeah, let her. Who's buying it? Like, uh, yeah, is she gonna do something with it? And knowing her and the she's not, capacity, yeah. I do. Yeah, she's not gonna let a building <laughs> sit here and fucking rot for thirty years, yeah. like you know these uh, conglomerates out in fucking California or Canada or oh, Las yeah. Vegas Just or wherever. Using whatever. depreciation as a tax write off, yeah. letting a building fall to shit, which has been a huge problem here. For, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let Suzanne do buy what, everything she seriously. wants. <laughs> I hope she does buy everything. Okay. And I think it would just be so beneficial to the community. Like, like you said, like I, same deal. I want to see every storefront fucking packed out the doors. And it's just like, that's how that was when I lived in Lancaster. And that's what I got accustomed to. It was just like, you know, I'd go down to, you know, downtown or whatever and just like kind of walk around. And I never was hurting for something to do. Like if I wanted to just like, kill an afternoon and go grab a coffee and like go see some like sculptures or something like that. I could do that within like 20 fucking feet of like wherever. Or if I wanted to like pop over and have a beer or something like that, just run over, have a beer. And like everything was just right in town. I didn't have to like, all right, I'm going to get my car. I have to drive all the way out to route 30. I got to fucking do this and do that. And like go to these places where you don't talk to people. Mm -hmm. You just sit there. But like when you're in a small business, you do feel compelled to like be like, oh hey, how's it going? Yeah, you know, blah, blah blah. Like you talk to people, and it's nice. You just get to know your community and get mm-hmm. to know your surroundings, and you know that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this whole podcast is just like really kind of introduce people to like your neighbor. Like I say it all the time. Like your neighbor might be the best fucking pianist in the entire county or the the whole fucking half of the United <laughs> States. You don't know, um, you know, but 
you know, if somebody shines a light on that, then you might be like, oh, cool. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of talent around here. Yeah, and I think, I think Greensburg is, I want to say, uniquely positioned for that because it is a small community. It's not like a small neighborhood of a big city that's undergoing development. Because, I mean, you look at, so when I, I moved to Pittsburgh in 2006, um, among the list of places that you shouldn't go was Lawrenceville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's among the places uh, among the list of places you just can't afford to go yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. And I don't see something like that happening here because it was a bunch of outside money that came in. Um and I mean not to disparage Lawrenceville. It's right. cool as hell. I was just at a show there Sunday and like it's there's so much cool shit there. But it doesn't have its own historical uh, identity anymore, right? And I yeah. think I think Greensburg is uniquely positioned in that. No matter what development happens here, it's still Greensburg. Yeah, um, you know, you're still going to say this, see the same handful of people at my business and Invisible Man and Hugo's, and, right? Yeah, and that's something I think is unique, uh, and I think it's probably one of the biggest strong points that we have is it is a community of people that want to do different stuff, not a community of people who are begging outside money to come in and make something cool for them. We're right. doing it. We're yeah. doing it ourselves. And it's um, really awesome. I mean, like beyond, you know, the, the casino or, or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which I think is going to do some really good things for this area as far as like jobs and, and things like that. But, you know, I think that our age group mm-hmm. of people, our demographic really kind of have, have seen what's lacking in this area for, you know, say the last decade and really finally just was like, you know what? We're just, we're just going to fucking do this ourselves. Yeah. And like, we're it, already broke. So are we going to get right, broker yeah. if we fail? <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. And in, in the midst of, of taking that chance and like doing this, it's like everyone feels this like sense of like unity. And it's like, I'm going to support this business and I'm going to support this and this and that and that and that. And like, that's, it feels like everyone is doing very well because of this whole feeling of like unity in the, in the community and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, long story short, it's a good fucking time to start a business. Oh, it is Um, (laughs) like real good time to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 That was our mentality. was like, uh, so we started, I was just turned 30. Like, I've been working minimum wage coffee shop jobs forever. If this fails, I can do it again. I'm yeah. young enough I can start over, but I'm old enough that I'm not a complete fucking idiot. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's our age bracket that either grew up here or moved here. Um, and she's like, there's a lot of cool opportunities here. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity for, and not just economic growth, but like true community building. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can pitch it in terms of economics, but what I really focus on is like knowing the people that come in, going to their business, going to their show if they have an art gallery opening or a piano recital or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of that, I don't want to say, it's sort of that give and take of like, I'll do this thing because I support you and it's cool and you'll support me and then we'll both grab a beer up the road. And yeah. And you don't see that in, in a lot of uh, developing areas. So I think that's super important to maintain yeah. in, in, this, in, in Greensburg. Because we are Greensburg, right, first yeah. and foremost. Even. I mean, I, I like the way that, 
and you're right. I think this is like set up uh, <laughs> very nicely to kind of do all of that because, you know, I, I feel like the downtown area is, you know, kind of so small, compact mm-hmm. that the the housing is just literally feet right outside of that. And it's just like people, you know, the people that live here, are, they basically already live downtown, you know, like in, oh, yeah. in this area and stuff. So I, I don't see, you know, um, the whole kind of like the, the gentrification that took place in uh, like Lawrenceville mm-hmm. or things like that. I don't see that actually kind of like, happening like you said it's it's more of a uh economic boost yeah than um you know a, a whole overhaul of of a of a town right like if you look at what happened in say the strip district mm-hmm. i mean you had an outside developer come in and tear down a huge warehouse that had been used for retail space yeah um and now property values are through the roof nobody can afford it or at least not the people that were there already. Right, um, yeah. And I don't... Uh, Greensburg, to me, is more of a grassroots. Like, we're going to do this ourselves. It's a DIY kind of development. And I think it's the absolute most sustainable um, And in terms of, like, a long projection. But also, it's just the most fun to be involved with. Fuck like, yeah. Like, I mean, sitting down, like, talking to you, like, you're doing this. You're not some asshole from outside coming in and saying, I'm going to change this town. You live right. here. You want it to be better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that attitude is emblematic of real change that will last. Yeah. Right on, dude. I mean, hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I think that's a fucking great place to stop right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on all the social media channels and your website and uh, the address of the shop. Okay, right on. Uh, so we're at 113 North Main Street, right in downtown here. Uh, Instagram handles at White Rabbit Greensburg. We are on Facebook. Um, you just search the White Rabbit? Yeah, search, Google search White Rabbit. It'll all come up. Um, yeah. Sweet. Website? Do you guys have oh, a, yeah, yeah. Guys uh, have a it's, website? It's thewhiterabbitcafe.com. Make sure the the is in there. Oh, that, there you go. Yeah, the the is very important because White Rabbit Cafe was way too expensive for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for having me All on, right, man. man. Dude, thanks so much. I appreciate you have, uh, coming on to the show and just kind of shooting the shit with me yeah always a pleasure all right there he goes tommy medley from the white rabbit in greensburg stop by there and get yourself a delicious cup of coffee and some delicious snacks i know that we didn't talk about the record shop and there is a reason why we didn't do that because he's coming back and we're going to talk about that in a few weeks so Look forward to that episode. I had a really awesome time talking to Tommy. Make sure you give them some love on all the social channels and hit up their website. And definitely, most importantly, stop by and get yourself something delicious. All right, 724, I'm out of here. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't cough on each other. Uh, Do good things. I'll see you next week.